BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's good, y'all? This is Breeze Bruin from the Mighty Juggernauts. And make sure you subscribe and download the podcast. Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Kell. Hip-hop journalism on the highest level. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz. And I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations, and I appreciate them all. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap. The hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It is old fucking official. All right, stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library rap. The hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold. You smoking that good You the West when you think of putting the West Coast on the hip-hop path, the next guest is part of that conversation. For 30 years, the legendary artist has continued to release music, has acted, and has collaborated with such artists as Spice One, Premier, Quick, and many more. He's MC8, and I want to welcome to AllHipHop.com presents the library with Tim Einkel. Eight, thank you so much for being here. It's always an honor. It's all good, Tim. What's the word, fam? So I want to start from the beginning. How does how does one go from gangbanging, selling drugs in the 80s to pursuing a hip-hop as an art form, releasing a single on Compton's Most Wanted, you know, releasing a single, being part of Compton's Most Wanted, especially at a time when you know, hip hop, who knew what was the future of hip hop music, right? Like who knew if that would be financially viable? Right. Well, basically, you know, I was a typical teen, you know, living in Compton, growing up in the hood, whatever. Uh, I got bit by the rap bug early, um, taking summer vacations down to uh, Gulfport, Mississippi, you know, uh, I had an older cousin who was inclined to the hip hop scene. You know, he had a uh, grew up on a gang of uh, New York hip hop, so that's what got me into it, man. I was just a fan of hip hop and uh, venturing down there for vacations, being able to adapt to New York rap, man. It just always had me, cons- it always had me intrigued. So I basically came home one summer and uh, 
I just started writing raps about the neighborhood. Basically, you know, we was out there doing our thing, selling drugs, gang banging. Uh, and basically, I started taking that and start putting it into mixed form. I had a homeboy who had a studio in his garage with two turntables and a mixer. He had a microphone. So me and one of my homeboys from the hood, we used to just go over there and just make up tapes, you know, mixtapes mm -hmm. about raps about the neighborhood. Uh, who got jacked last night? Who got shot? what the police did, whatever. And from there, being able to listen to more hip hop and uh, listen to dudes like Kumo D and Rakim and EPMD and listening to brothers like Toddy T and Mixmaster Spade, it basically put me on the pathway that I wanted to start rap music. So that's how I got out of the transition from selling drugs and whatever. But it still took a little time because my first three projects, I was still in the neighborhood gang banging and selling drugs because that's what I knew. Hmm. Oh, at this time, what was the significance for not just you, but also, uh, it's, you know, taking me to like West Coast or California of of MC Ran and M NWA at the time. I mean, what did what did they mean to you while you were writing your rhymes? And more importantly, what did they mean to uh, West Coast hip hop at the time? Well, basically, it was NWA gave us the sense of, well, to me, it gave us the sense of hip hop in our form. Uh, like I said, I grew up on a lot of New York rap. You know, I was real heavy into New York rap, but when Red and Easy and them came out, it kind of put into perspective what we were going through as far as West Coast artists. Um, our journey was different than other hip hop artists. So having somebody like Ren and Easy and Cube and them uh, solidify what we were going through as far as the police harassment, the poverty, growing up gang banging, cripping in blood and selling drugs, it kind of put us into the forefront where I felt like we had an opportunity or I had an opportunity to really get serious in the rap game because there was somebody, there were, there were artists before me who were setting the foundation for what West Coast music was. Mm. Uh, did you guys, I mean, at this time, did you guys, were you guys looking at East Coast hip hop? I mean, did you care what was happening? And I care not being dismissive, but care in a way that whatever they were doing, what were you trying to emulate them at all? Uh, or was it just really focused on the West Coast? I love East Coast rap. Like I said, my first, um, my first, um, my first recollection of hip hop was East Coast, you know, EPMD, Kumo D, LL Cool J, uh, UTFO, uh, uh, Sparky D, Roxanne Shantae. So I always looked at East Coast rap as the foundation for hip hop. We just took different patterns as far as West Coast artists concerned. But I love East Coast rap because to me, it was it was different from what we were doing or or per. Our perpetration of hip hop was, you know, we got gangs, we got drug selling, we got Daryl Gates and the police and and, and 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 police harassment. And as far as East Coast, I looked at it as East Coast is just pure love of hip hop. You know, you didn't have to get into that when you listen to dudes like LL or EPMD or Rakim or Big Daddy Kane, Biz Marky. It was just hip hop. So I, I, I admired that from what they did because it gave me a different aspect of being an artist, just not a West Coast MC. You feel me? Right. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, East Coast, you mentioned solo artists, but, you know, you know, 
you 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 started out you know you help you start out at obviously the legendary group Compton's most wanted um and you dropped this you, you know you dropped the debut album it's got Compton thing in 1990 so that's very prior to your debut album uh what was your plan in terms of dropping as a a group over a solo artist i mean why why the group artist first and then go into solo well obviously um we start, I started as Compton's Most Wanted. You know, I never looked at myself as a solo artist. Um, we came, I came in as Compton's Most Wanted to try to uh, to keep hold that tradition of groups. You feel me? NWA, EPMD, uh, uh, Gangstar, Public Enemy. Uh, I just felt that the, the significance of, of the group was was first place to me. I didn't look at me having a solo career. I didn't do that because um, I had homeboys who was with me, the chill, DJ Slip, Mike T, you know, so I didn't want to take the solo record role. That only came presented to me after I, after I did Minister Society. And mm. the nigga, the chill, uh, had a couple of run-ins and had to go sit down for a minute, do a couple of stints in jail or whatever. So from that, uh, Sony decided that they would break me off from CMW and make me become a solo artist. So that was done by Sony and Epic. To me, I still was conscious most wanted. Hmm. I want to. You mentioned, you know, uh, the influence I think hip, East Coast hip hop have had on you, and and you look at uh, CMW's debut album. It's a Compton thing, and the track "I Give Up Nothing," and it and it's you listen to it and you're like, wow, that sounds very much like. You know, a Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, you know, Modi type flow on it. And it's interesting to listen to that in conjunction with the entire album because it really stands out as a track. That's, that's not very a quote unquote West Coast track. Uh, why did you, for that moment, did you try to change up, did you change up your flow to kind of sound more East Coast, I guess, in a way? And what was the reaction amongst uh, fellow hip hop artists or Kali hip hop artists at the time? The reaction from that was that eight is more than just a West Coast artist, you know. Uh, I prided myself on being an artist first and not just depicting West Coast shit. So uh, doing I Give Up Nothing was one of those tracks that I wanted to bust on because I wanted people to know that I was more than just a West Coast rapper talking about, you know, the color lines and the gangs and the drugs from what people known for. I wanted to show people that I was an artist first. So thus I did songs like I Give Up Nothing to show that on top of being a, a first artist, a pioneer from the West Coast, that I was a true artist and that New York rap had a large influence on me, like I said. So that was my just paying homage to being a true MC. You feel me? Mm -hmm. uh, you talk about being a true artist, and obviously, uh, you know, uh, prior to dropping Death Threats, you you made a, your your movie screen debut in uh, a Menace to Society uh, as the character Awax. Uh, how did this come to be? I mean, when someone approached you, hey, we want you to act in this movie, what was your immediate reaction? And then looking at the script, did you change anything about the character or maybe change any part of the writing that maybe you didn't feel was true to itself? Um, when I got asked to do the part for Menace, uh, I really didn't focus or think about it because to me, I wasn't that large as an artist at the time, but because of what was going on in the music industry, as far as with uh, incorporating rap artists into the music, uh, the music, the movies, I mean, um, you know, we had Tupac with Juice and, and Poetic Justice and then Cube did uh, Boys in the Hood. You know, we had the South Central movie, whatever. So 
I really just looked at it as they trying to find artists to fit the mold. Uh, but Ren was offered the part, so I didn't really think I was going to get it because compared to Ren, you know, Ren NWA, you know, right. MCA comps is most wanted. Ren's status was a little bit higher than we was, so I just automatically felt like I was just there to be uh, so they could say they brought somebody else in to try out. Uh, I went in, I read for it. Uh, the Hughes brothers was cool. They was fans of my music. They knew my videos and, and some of my projects, so uh, from there, uh, they called me in once. I read. They called me back in like two weeks later. I read again. And then I think I went on tour and they hit me up and said that, that I had to part. Uh, I really didn't think nothing of it because I thought it was just going to be a small role, no speaking parts or just whatever. And it came out to be prominent. Uh, it helped my career uh, significantly. Uh, it got me to a different level. As far as hip hop community is concerned, on a worldwide status, I was able to travel the world because of Menace and meet different people and hook up with a lot of different people. So it was significant to my career. Uh, you mentioned, you know, as a, someone who's from New York City and, you know, at that time when we obviously don't have the Internet, we have, you know, cassette tapes or, you know, whatnot. Uh, a lot of us looked at the West Coast as and we look at hip hop as a way of kind of telling what's news of the street or what's happening in, in that location. And, and you you know, you mentioned talking about I gave up nothing that you want to show that you were more than just someone talking about this. You were also an artist as well. Um, who was that mentor that kind of, I guess, instilled it in you that okay you you you're you you rap but at the same time you're more than just a rapper you're more than just an MC. who is that one person or maybe a couple of people that said hey you're no you're an artist be an artist um i'll attribute a lot of that to you know dj slip dj slip worked with me uh early on in my career um uh, when I was just a young knucklehead, you know, running the neighborhoods, uh, DJ Slip worked with me extensively, um, always had confidence in my lyrics, uh, never felt like I had to change up my style or something. So I can attribute uh, half of that to DJ Slip, who uh, at the time was an up and coming producer. He was well known on the West Coast. Uh, so taking the time out and believing in the kid, uh, you know, who was just getting in the rap game. Um, he gave me the confidence to, you know, really try to pin stuff. And, uh, and my mom, you know, uh, my mom's always taught me that if I want to do something, go do it. She never doubted me with music. She just said, if I was going to do it, then I needed to do it to the full extent. So that's always, uh, uh, I always try to, uh, have lyrics that were just not, you know, I tried to write and concentrate on shit that was real and not just say anything as far as hip hop concerned. So them were the two as big influences as far as when I started rapping and gave me the confidence to pursue. I want to ask you about, of course, uh, the DJ quick feud and, 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 and I really, what's interesting, what's great about it is that it ended, right? You guys, you know, squashed it. Um, can you kind of take us back quickly to why did it start? And when I was trying to read on it, somehow, Tim Dog was involved in it, but I wasn't exactly sure if Tim Dog, if that was a true story, if Tim Dog was actually involved in it. I've or, never heard it of, uh, I don't, Tim Dog wasn't involved in uh, the DJ Quick thing. Um, it was just two upcoming dudes coming from Compton. Uh, I think I was working on my second album. Quick was up and coming. You know, uh, as everybody know, we're from different sides of the streets. Uh, Quick was a blood. I was a crip. Uh, so that had a lot of influence on our beef because of the neighborhood participation. 
Um, and that's just how it was in Compton. We were all gang banging. We all claimed different sets. So when you got Crips and Bloods beefing, uh, usually in the streets, that's that's drive-bys and killings. Uh, on record, it happened to be I was an artist. He was an artist. And uh, the way for him to, I guess, signif- signify his affiliation and his artistry that's coming up is uh, you got to diss the Crips. You feel right. me? And that's what it was. Now, I don't know if it was mistaken because I said I was working on my second album and it had just dropped. He was working on demos. Uh, my DJ was a blood, Mike T. Mike T got a hold to one of his demo tapes uh, and we heard the songs or whatever, whatever. So that's just how the beef started. Uh, you know, him rapping, me rapping, trying to prove his loyalty to his neighborhood and to who his affiliation. I was an artist that was already out. Everybody had knew my affiliation. So that's basically what it was attributed to. I don't think we had any real hip hop beef, but because of where we came from and what we represented, it was basically just, it it, it was what it was. I mean, y'all beef as far as the streets go. So when you get into this hip hop community, people don't understand that some of these things don't, you know, you can't live them down. And uh, that was one of the insecurities of that we had as fucking artists coming into the game, being youngsters, being manipulated by homies from the set. You know, this nigga talking about you, he talking about you. And that's how a lot of it got started. I had a song on my, on my record called Death Wish. I had said something about biting me quick. I guess they took it as a diss, but I, did, I never knew who quick was at the time. But like I said, influences can take you to a different level and we were influenced by surroundings you get me our surroundings made the beef go and a couple of people got hurt and injured and as grown men we just felt like you know we hip-hop artists we're trying to represent the city of compton show everybody that the city of compton is is a true place for uh hip-hop and superstars and what have you so we just decided to squash the beef yeah uh, you know it feels like it's a it's a you just think about that beef and you just think about it. It feels like it's a, it's a, I guess a dangerous line being, uh, towed at the same, you know, but like you're beefing as artists, but then you're also beefing as, I guess, rival gang members and you and quick, quick and yourself know exactly how far you're willing. You could take it or want to take it, but there is those outside influences that could take it to a whole nother level that you have. And that's basically what happened. I mean, you know, I can control me, he can control him, but we can't control the outside influences. And when you deal with gang banging in neighborhoods, you know, each person feels a disrespect in a certain way, especially when it comes to the neighborhood. So something that I might be able to overlook I might have a homeboy around the corner on the other block. He might not be able to overlook that. And he feels personal about that because it's being talked about and the neighborhood is being talked about. So sometimes guys take those problems into their own hands. And that's where we didn't want it to go because a lot of outside victims were 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 being caught up in this. So it was better for us to squash the beef than have anybody else lose their life or get jumped or get injured behind us on some hip hop shit. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know, when 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 Tim Dog dropped Fuck Compton, us in the East Coast were obviously losing our minds, right? Uh you know, Cool Keith has talked about how uh Tim did that as a kind of a gimmick type thing. Uh, what did you guys initially think when he dropped it? Did you did you care? <laughs> you know, at the time. I mean, we, we cared. We cared. Uh, um, 
because of the fact that not as far as Tim Dog was concerned, but we took pride in the city of Compton. And even though it was directed at Easy and whatever and NWA, a lot of artists who were from Compton were affected by that. That's, uh, we did a song uh, called Who's Fucking Who on uh, Music to Drive by record. Um, we just felt like it was, it was something, uh, it was a gimmick. We knew it was a gimmick, but to, to come out like that and, and disrespect uh, what we had tried to establish as far as hip-hop artists, because, you know, we already knew that uh, the East Coast originated, you know, and uh, we just felt like our, trend, our, our rendition of hip-hop coming where we come from, we didn't want to feel disrespected or people looking at us as a different light as far as hip-hop concerns because we talked about the gang problems or the poverty or living in the neighborhood or whatever. So we took it kind of personal, not not from Tim Dog, but for the aspect, but that that's what the that's what was brought to the table from him to say fuck Compton in a whole. So we as as artists, Compton's most wanted, feel felt that we had to contribute to that. BP added more than $70 billion to the US economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. I, I was listening to an interview with uh, Cool Keith, and he he says he feels that uh, a lot of California artists still feel the impact of that track, or you know, still take it personal. I mean, do you, do you think it's just so far removed that you know it doesn't? No one really gives it doesn't bother about me it. anymore. I mean, it's hip hop. I mean, shit. We've got a lot of our artists this and, and do that type of shit that establishes their foundation. So I look at it as as, as love and war, man. You feel me? Uh, mm-hmm. You got to be able to take the punches when you deliver them. 
And when you in this game, you're subject to that. You know, you open yourself up to the world, to people, and people don't judge you. Some motherfuckers ain't gonna like you. Some people ain't gonna like what you're about, what point you stand for. But that's just the nature of the beast with this hip hop shit. So, but now, I don't look at it as any significance to me. I don't know about any other artists. I don't speak for them, but as far as MCA counts is most wanted concerned, that shit is dead in the water. Nice. Uh, you know, I mentioned that, you know, you, you, know, you and Quick obviously squashed this beef and, and then you created this great record, uh, Rosecrans, on the Rosecrans Project. Uh, how did that come together? And, and did you guys did you guys work together prior to it? Did you record any music that maybe wasn't released at the time? Uh, prior to me and um, Quick squashing the beef, uh, he was working on a few projects. He invited me to the studio. Uh, Rest in peace, Mossberg was still alive. Um, I think I went to the studio and I worked on a song or two with Mossberg, DJ Quick produced. Um, uh, unfortunately, you know, Mossberg passed and we didn't get to uh, feel the full weight of his artistry, uh, which was unfortunate. Like another brother lost his life from the neighborhood because of mm. his affiliation. But uh, that came about because of problem. Um, you know, Problem is a new artist that, you know, is really on the rise, uh, really making a lot of noise from the Hub City or whatever. And him and Quick had done a lot of stuff together. And uh, me and Problem had hooked up and talked and, you know, talked about working with each other. I knew some of his mutual people. He knew some of mine. So he called me up in the studio one day and said, hey, man, can you slide through the studio? I'm working on a project. And uh I'm going to try to get quick on it as well. So I ended up going to the studio. Me and Quick was there chilling. And uh, they threw on the beats for me. I think they played me two beats. And uh, I instantly started writing and got on the songs with no hesitation. And that's just what it takes, though, you know. It takes some of us to be grown up and come out of these beefs and this bullshit and to be able to work with each other and establish this this real shit. That's going to continue. And... Like I said, anything for the city of Compton and keep on bigging up the city of Compton and keep representing, I'm all for it. So that's how the Rosecrans project came about. Shout out to my nigga Problem. He hooked that up. When you think of like all-star MCs, you you, you have to say uh, Tupac, Ice-T, Spice One, and, and yourself. And then you see that being on a, you guys were on a track together. Uh, how did that, you know, a... a, a how how does how does that track come together in uh, you know 1993? I mean, where were you all in your career at the time, and 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 can you kind of speak on the importance, the long term importance of a track like this? Um, I knew South Central Cartel. I'd been knowing them from riding around, you know, from being in this L.A. Uh, local local niggas I knew from L.A. getting into the rap game. Um, I had done shows with Pac. Uh, you know, I grew up listening to Ice T and all those cats. So. Um, the unity, it shows unity. Uh, South Central Cartel brought everybody together. Um, they said it was put together this track. Uh, anytime somebody comes to me and says, you know, we got a gang of people we're putting on the track, we would love for you to give. I just try to put my contribution. Even before it's money involved or publishing or whatever, when you say that you're trying to put together projects like that that shows the unity in hip-hop, especially from cats that people don't think would affiliate together, um, I'm all for it. Like I said, uh, I try to fuck with a lot of artists who are on that point. And uh, I think it's good for hip hop to be able to collaborate with some of your, some of the people you grew up on and some of the people that you respect. And that's what I look at. I'm a fan first. So that's what I do. Uh, 
Anytime I love a nigga's songs, I, I love Tupac. I loved it, Ice T. You know what I'm saying? South Central Cartel. So it was a no-brainer. If you come to me and it's a decent project and, and I feel the love from other artists, then I feel it it, it, it significantly helps hip-hop to show the unity within artists. Yeah, motherfuckers, I ain't finished. Be on the lookout for the straight-up menace. Yeah. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.